Um, just, just kind of by way of introduction, um, we're going to look a little bit at the, at the author. Um, so um, look a little bit about uh, David and, uh, and his relationship with God um, and how he got to uh, have the sort of insight um, that I'll then uh, kind of hopefully demonstrate to you as we read Psalm 25. So um, I, I know, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, David is one of my favourite biblical characters, um, partly because he messed things up quite a lot. So uh, I, I like that. I, he had also had a mate called Jonathan, which I think was excellent. Um, but think about what you know of the character of David. We know that he was anointed as a king when actually he was kind of the boy shepherd, the one out in the hills, the one that was overlooked by men, but God called him. And he had a tremendous confidence in God. He had that confidence in God that meant he could go up against the biggest, scariest soldier the Philistines had because God had been faithful to him. And somehow he built up this great relationship and knowledge of God's faithfulness. He wasn't particularly in a special family or a great person, but somehow he kind of got it. Um, He was a great musician who used his skills to praise God. And, you know, the benefit we have of that is the Psalms. He had an amazing courage that seemed to derive from God and his confidence in God. And yes, he really badly messed some things up. I mean, you know, having people's husbands killed in battle is generally considered bad form in most societies. Yet he had this, still had this confidence and this ability to relate to God. And he went back to God and he expressed and poured out his heart in worship and in praise to God. And he, he restored that relationship and prioritised uh, that relationship. And God was good and faithful to him. So what could we say about David, apart from what he said about him, that he was a man after God's own heart? He was a man who knew God, and he was a man who God knew and loved. And my encouragement is, even though he messed it up all the time, and somehow he had that greatness that derived from his relationship with God. And I also like him because he was a bit crazy. Uh, you know, he would he would dance and not care who was looking or whether he was wearing the right clothes um, or any clothes, to be honest. Um, he did lots and lots of outrageous things which didn't really fit or seem right. But at the core of that was this amazing and incredible relationship with an amazing, incredible, faithful God. So let's read Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, O trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they would be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me into your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. 
Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me again from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased, and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Amen. It's a really famous painting. Anybody know what this painting is called? Art quiz, you weren't expecting that, were you? Okay, this is called The Son of Man, this portrait. It is a self-portrait by a a guy called René Marguerite. Apparently, according to the website that I found this picture on, it is a surrealist depiction of the resurrection. There you go. Not quite sure about that. Uh, But the artist said it describes this phenomenon of God being visible but hidden. This is an idea I thought we would explore a little bit. I think too often we feel a bit like this is what God is like. That he's visible but he's hidden. Maybe we catch glimpses of him round the edges of things. We maybe see him turning up occasionally, but we're not quite sure if it's him. Or we see elements of him in other people, maybe, but we're not quite sure whether we see those in ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 says this, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then, at the resurrection, we will see him face to face. For now I know in part, but then I shall know him even as I am known. And there's this quest which has kind of been there throughout the history of humanity to know God and to be known. It is a simple thing, but possibly one of the most complex quests ever, to know God and to be known by him. And this evening I want to sort of test the idea that I think God is possibly more knowable than we might first think. I read an article on the BBC uh, website this week, that some of you may have read it, uh, about modern day hermits. And there was a, a lady called Sarah Maitland who lives uh, in complete isolation. She's done so for about 20 years in Scotland. And she says the reason she does it is because she finds God in the silence And she says this, the presence of God is a terrifically nice experience. (laughs) 
Isn't that great? 20 years of solitude dedicated to finding and knowing God. And she says, the presence of God is a terrifically nice experience. She says, it's like heaven. In fact, it literally is heaven. Sounds like quite a good way to live a life, doesn't it? So our quest to know God, I think, should be more than an intellectual exercise. It should be a a spiritual experience. Think about your best friend or your partner, somebody you know really, really well. It's more than just knowing facts about them. You actually know the person, you know them. And God doesn't hide himself from us. God doesn't keep himself separate from us. We may only perceive him in part because he is so fantastically vast. We may only know him in part. But there is so much of God that we can know. And however much we know, however much we think we know, we can't ever kind of tick off knowing God as a thing that we've done on our to-do list because he is infinite. There's always more that we can know. He's magnificent. And so tonight we're going to go through Psalm 25. Um, If you want to, open it up in the Bible so that you can kind of follow uh, where I am. I'm literally going to go through Psalm 25 quite quickly. You'll be glad to know because I realise it is quite long and we're getting on. Um, And we're going to explore together what it tells us about the character of God. And my intention really as I put this together is that it wouldn't be so much a sermon... Um, as a kind of meditation, as a reflection, because I don't want to impart knowledge of the facts about the character of God to you. I'm hoping that you would receive this with your hearts as much as your head and be filled to the measure of the knowledge of God. So let's dive in to Psalm 25 and see what it reveals to us about the character of God. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. God is trustworthy. He never fails. He never lies. His word is true. We've sung it together. We've sung, I'm trusting in your word. I'm trusting in your cross. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. God is a God who is victorious. He has won the ultimate battle. He's victorious over sin and death. He's victorious over every earthly power and every spiritual force that stands against us. And he fights for us the battles that we cannot win in our own strength. If you go down through to uh, verse 5, it says, Guide me in your truth. Our God is a truthful God. His promises are true. And you know, in Zephaniah, it talks about God singing over us. He sings his promises over us. He sings that you are loved, that you are precious, that you are worth dying for. If you don't know the truths that God sings over you, I urge you to dig into his words and find them. Guide me in your truth, verse 5, and teach me. God is a teacher. He is the one who created heaven and earth. He knows intricately how we are put together. Um, Psalm 139 that we started um, this, this evening service with goes on to say, you form me in my mother's womb, you know me. So who better to teach us how we should live our lives than the one who created us and the universe that we live in? 
Verse 5 goes on and says, For you are God my Saviour. My hope is in you all day long. Our God is hopeful. There is hope to be found in him. And I wanted to read to you a brilliant testimony uh, from um, the person that I know who's most recently found faith, which is about a two-month-old Christian. They're always fun. I like new Christians. Uh, And uh, this person says, My external circumstances are the same. But my perception of myself, my relationships with my family, my view of my own self-worth and my sense of hope for a future that I never thought I would survive and my connection to a power greater than myself is nothing short of a miracle. Isn't that good? And the bit there, my sense of hope for a future I never thought I would survive. Our God is a God who gives hope to the hopeless. There is no such thing as a hopeless situation when God is part of our lives. Verse 6, remember Lord your great mercy. Wrong way. Your great mercy. Our God is a merciful God. We thank God for his mercy, for the love that covers every flaw and failing. Remember Lord, verse 6, your great mercy and your great love. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. God is a God who loves us and he forgives us. He continues to seek us out and forgive us. We heard several great parables this morning and the other one that we heard from the young people was the parable of the prodigal son, of the lost son, the one who went away and whose father ran after him to embrace him. Our God is a God who never gives up on us. He forgives us. And as we go down, we read um, in verse 8. He is good and upright, is the Lord. He is our standard. He's our example. He's our inspiration, our aspiration. I uh, was reminded as I was preparing this, um, at Christmas time when we sing Once in Royal David City, there's a line, it's quite cheesy lines, aren't there, in the carols? Christian children all must be mild, obedient, good as he. Don't you think that puts quite a lot of pressure on Christian children? For he is our childhood's pattern. Doesn't say much about being the adult's pattern, does it? I think that was a hymn written by adults. Everything that we see in Jesus, every good and perfect way that he lived his life, is a pattern for us. He is good and upright. He is our standard and our example, but thank goodness he is also merciful and forgiving for the many, many times that we fall short. In verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. We serve a loyal and jealous and faithful God. One of the most open evangelistic doors that I ever came across was uh, when I was living in a shared house at university, and my housemate, I found her in tears one day, and she said, everybody's let me down. And she basically said to me, if only there was somebody who was loving like a father, who would love me unconditionally and never let me down. And you kind of think, oh, I know somebody. (laughs) Somebody who is faithful, a God who is faithful, who is always loyal. Verse 13, they will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. We serve a God who is generous. 
it's a bit of a cheesy cliche, isn't it, to count your blessings, but generally when you do, you find that God is generous. He gives us so many good things. In verse 15, it says that God will release my feet from the snare. God is a saviour. He saves us. He brings us complete freedom. Verse 17, um, God free, David says, free me from anguish. So David knew God. He knew a God who, when his feet got literally caught in a snare, he would literally find a way out, and he ascribed that to God. But people entangle themselves in all sorts of things, don't they? Maybe debt or addiction or abusive behavior or unhealthy habits or harmful thoughts. We get tangled up and instead in all sorts of things. And our God is a God who brings freedom. And scripture says, when the Son of Man sets you free, you will be free indeed. John's favorite word is sozo for salvation. Saved, healed, delivered. God does a complete work of salvation in people. He brings freedom uh, to those that are ensnared. Verse 20 says that God guards us. Couldn't resist using the guards for that picture. He guards us. He's our safe hiding place. He's our refuge. And again, this is something that David knew. When he was hiding, um, desperately hiding from actual enemies who were after his life, he found a safe hiding place. And time and time again, we see that, we read that in the Psalms, that David knew God as his refuge, as his safe hiding place. My hope, Lord, is in you. Is your hope in God tonight? Do you know him? God is not a distant and unknowable God. He is a God who longs to be found, who longs to find you. He is a God who sent his son to die that he might have relationship with you. And I would invite you to stand um, before we sing our final song. We're just going to pray. So should we stand together? First of all, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing to close our service. Let us pray. Lord God, you are the all-sufficient God. You are more than able to supply all our needs. So we stand, and we rest, and we wait. Lord, we marvel that you would seek relationship with us. We are struck by the price you paid to make a way for us to come to know you. Yet we trust in your word, and we believe in your truth. And tonight, we claim the promises available to us. God, would you reveal yourself to us? By your spirit, Lord, let this be a moment of breakthrough. Tonight, would you come to God with your needs and let him reveal himself to you as the one who meets that need, the all-sufficient saviour, healer, hope-giver, friend, father. Amen. Amen.